The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the, because even when you're here, and the, you're not really there, of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and still to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who always turns on the hallway light. Josh, how are you doing on this Independence Day? Well, I had to mute my mic for the intro because you might. I closed my windows in this room. Wow. Because it's, it's got to be really warm in there for you. It's actually, it's been miserable weather the past two days. It's been in the 60s and raining. So it's actually, I'm wearing a hoodie. It's comfortable. Um, but the neighborhood has been busy today, if you know what I mean by busy. So I kind of anticipated it being a little louder tonight than normal. So. Uh, I mean, I can't be mad, right? It's 4th of July, even though fireworks are illegal in Massachusetts, and there's like 10 missing dogs right now from what happened last night with fireworks. Yeah. Uh, you know, all that fun stuff where For you're sure. literally getting text messages about if you can go walk your neighborhood because a dog got away last night. <laughs> I, I think my... F- <laughs> I do feel bad. I'm very lucky that, you know, our three dogs all are super chill about fireworks. <laughs> They don't care at all. I don't know how we got that lucky. And I think it's because for the newest dog, she doesn't care mostly because the other two don't care. Sure. You know, I, I she definitely initially when they were happening was like a little like sketchy about it. But then she noticed that the other dogs just weren't doing anything. So she's like, oh, I guess this is just fine then. So for the most part, she's been pretty good about it. But I always do feel bad. And. Uh, fireworks are legal here, but only at very specific limited times. Like right, right now, this is one of those times that you can use fireworks. The other is like New Year's Day and New Year's Eve. Really? Which, you know, Iowa, winter, that not many fireworks are happening. <laughs> they can't know. even light them because you can't get a spark going. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. But yeah, so it hasn't been too bad as far as that goes. But I was going to ask you, you know, whether you thought or how much you thought uh, our show would be interrupted by fireworks on your end. And it sounds like potentially, you know, you did close the windows, but potentially there's going to be a lot of fireworks going on over there. Yeah, I think we recorded on 4th of July last year too, and I think the same thing happened. So, uh, or maybe two years ago, not pandemic year. So yeah, sorry, but I had to mute and unmute so many times last time from the construction that I, like we, Kyle and I were talking before the show that, I think that could have been what messed up my audio recording for Kyle, but you're just going to have to deal with fireworks in the background for this show because it'll be festive for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't a huge deal, but, you know, speaking of last week's show, again, huge thanks to Perry for being here. It was a really fun show. Uh, But if there were any audio issues with Josh talking over anyone or (laughs) having odd gaps, uh, that was probably that was on me for editing, but there was just some audio sync issues as far as things went. But we, I think for the most part, it turned out okay. But if there were issues there, my apologies. I tried to catch them all, uh, but if I missed anything, gotta catch know, them all. Pokemon. But 
Uh, Josh, one thing I have to ask. It sounds like uh, you didn't get to do a lot today. Sick kid? Is that what was going on? Yeah. Yesterday and today. Sick kid. No fun. You know, you think in a climate where it's been 90 degrees for a week straight, 90 plus degrees, like colds couldn't be a thing, but you know, they're not wearing masks in daycare anymore. The kids aren't. So uh, it was bound to happen. Colds back. Oh, yeah. So it's, back. it's a real bummer. He has a pretty bad cough, and and you can tell he's not himself. And you, as a parent, you feel bad, but you're also like, we were supposed to go to a family cookout today, and my wife was working all day, so it was just me and him. So I, I, I was given the green light to go for my brother and sister-in-law, but I also had to make the responsible decision to not get other people sick especially with the vacation coming up around the corner. So, um, yeah, it's just been a bummer to see him not feel good. And it kind of sucks your day out uh, the past two days. It's like you can't do activities with him that require a lot of energy because it will make him feel worse. You feel bad as a parent for watching TV all day. So you can't, you kind of, you try not to do that as well. But he's also a kid who doesn't chill. He has zero zero chill, if as they say. <laughs> so to get him to actually sit down and not expel energy constantly, you have to uh, put something on the TV for parts of the day. So it's a lot of bluey and uh, super wings. That's what you've been watching. <laughs> I've heard really good things about bluey, though, that even if you're, you know, a, not just a parent, but like a, just an adult without kids even – that uh, Bluey's pretty good is what I've heard. It's an incredibly well-written show. It's an Australian show. Um, the first season has 50 episodes in it. <laughs> it's on Disney+. Plus. I probably could have made it my recommendation. Uh, and it is very good, and it's very funny for adults um, and for kids. But it also teaches like incredible uh, parenting lessons. So I really enjoy it. I'm very surprised at how much I like it. Well, like I said, I, I have heard other people uh, rave about the show, and yeah. I know that you know my my sister um, really really likes it for her kids. They watch it all the time, so I've almost started to watch it, but I think just the length of that first season. Well, they're only has... like ten or twelve minute episodes. They're pretty short, um, and I didn't even realize how that it was only season one. Still, like it doesn't hold to the television season formula. Because they're standalone episodes, uh, for the most right. part, like they establish characters. But yeah, my son just got—we just got him some of the toys uh, on the Friday, I think. Uh, so it's been popping up in the house quite frequently, as well as Bakugan, apparently. Oh, which is nice! Something we didn't know he knew about, but he told us he knew about it. He calls it bubble gum, so it was confusing when we were trying to figure out what he was talking about at Target. But he told us all about bubble gum and how the balls roll out on the floor and turn into animals. It's kind of amazing. What I was like, where did you learn this? Did you learn this at daycare? And he's like, yeah, I learned it at school. These two kids have them. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> My four-year-old is teaching me about Bakugan. <laughs> crazy world well you know at least you're learning something from your kid right <laughs> i mean i'm learning a lot from him but 
uh, never pop culture. <laughs> oh man, that is that is interesting. Oh goodness gracious! But uh, Josh, the other thing I want to talk to you about before we get things started here tonight. Yes. Wasps. Yeah, they're like bees, but more dangerous. Right. <laughs> I am sick of them, Josh. I'm done with them. I don't know about... Do you have problems with wasps' nests Ye- at your house? Occasionally. Not not like we have wasps around. And I'll say probably once in my life there's been a wasp nest in the house. Like outside the house. Like porch-wise or something. But not to the point where it's been a hassle. <laughs> Which it sounds like it might be for you. Tomorrow, I have to go clean up because, you know, when you spray the wasp nest, you're supposed to let them sit for 24 hours before you go and um, clean up, the, clean them up. Um, I'm up to six that I've removed this summer. Oh, my goodness. And I'm sick of it. I'm absolutely sick of it. And I was reading about it because I, I wanted to know, is there something that we're doing that is attracting all of these wasps? And basically the answer is like, not really. Uh, sometimes you just live in a place where you're going to get a lot of them. And it sounds like just the location of our house in the correlation to like we have a really large um, river right by, well, not large, but we have a river that's really close to us, including a lot of woods. And there's some nice um, like wildflower areas like kind of in that area. Like we're just... Any location that is prime, because um, we're also right next to a large field. Uh, so, yeah, we're just, you know, in a prime location for wasp nests. And I'm just really, really over having to go like go in at, you know, dusk or in the evening when activity is lower and spraying these nests. And luckily, I always catch them when they're pretty small. So none of them have gotten out of hand by any means. But the thing that is annoying about it is that I go by the spray, which I'm like, well, probably not good for my dogs. So I have to be really careful with my dogs outside to make sure they don't eat any of the wasps that have fallen dead. But <laughs> these bottles like don't spray upside down. And most of these things are like under my deck. Oh, you know, so it's not like I can like just like a couple, depending on where they are, I can like hold the bottle typical. But for some of them, I'm like, I have to like hold it at this weird angle to even be able to spray the thing. So then once there's like half the bottle is used, they just don't spray anymore. Right. Because they have to use like so much extra propellant. Like, get it. and it's such like, so I have, I think right now I have like six bottles uh, or cans of half full <laughs> wasp spray. Ugh. And then I'm like, now I got to figure out how to get rid of these things. Like, who am I going to call to like get rid of these pressurized cans of like half full wasp spray that don't like project anything anymore? It's just very, very annoying. And I'm very over it, Josh. Wasps are done. Hmm. I'm just over them. Stupid. That, that's all I have to say. That's a bummer. It is a bummer, for sure. So, all right. So then, obviously, Josh, uh, the, the song. Did you did you know what the song was? I was? I'll be honest. I'll be very surprised if you did. No, I did not. I did not know what it was. So uh, the little reference uh, is the song Best Years by a band called Social Animals, who's actually a Minnesota-based band. Uh, kind of a pop rock, alt rock group that is pretty new. Uh, and I realized I've been doing so much old stuff that I wanted to bring in some new things that I had been listening to recently. Um, and if you want to kind of get in on the on the early wave, I think they're pretty small still. Um, I think like their largest YouTube video has like not even 200,000 views. Wow. 
So like they are pretty small. Um, but like if you, I would encourage you to give them a listen. They're pretty interesting. The, their music is pretty different. Um, and I really enjoy them. Uh, it, it's kind of a nice little change from the things I typically listen to. Um, so if you want to go ahead uh, and give social animals a listen, I would highly encourage it. Uh, so with that, Josh, animals. Adding, social animals. Adding to my Spotify. They don't. Do they have an album or just sing? Oh, they just have singles. Yeah, I think they have like an EP that they've done, and that's okay. about it. Like I said, they're pretty. They're pretty, pretty new. Let's so. add best years, and then I'll listen to that later. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter, or also check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We're a proud part of Play Some Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far, and if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. With that being said, though, I do want to give a special shout out to some of our producers who are helping make all this possible over at Patreon.com. And that is Michael Masick, Edwin Callow, Stephen Keller, Nick Creature, Ben Moxham, Nick Fallhaber, Paul Calico, Devin Tyus, Josh Barboni, RJ Kern, Zach Adams, Joe Wilson, and of course, Horse Girl 69. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Networks. If you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. Josh, what is your first topic this week? Well, Kyle, it's kind of a revision. Uh, it's not. That's not true at all. First, we talked about Ticket to Ride, and now Catan is giving it a go with a solo game that is a new take on the classic game that we know. And it is called Catan Logic Puzzle. Uh, literally, it's called Catan Logic Puzzle. <laughs> uh, I'm now I moved over my little Skype screen, and now it's taking over my web page, so I can see your face on both of my screens. <laughs> um, so yeah, Catan is launching a new game where it is it literally comes in a hex a hexagonal board, which is 3D. Uh, and so are the pieces, and it comes with um, these small little, um, I will, we'll call them, I guess we'll call them brain teasers, right? Or solution uh, puzzles that need solutions. Um, I'm taking this from dicebreaker.com, as I do usually with things. Um, so Catan Logic Puzzle uh, is an upcoming game that sees players attempting to craft the best possible network of settlements, cities, wood stores, and more key locations on their island. It's a solo board game. It does not include many of the usual elements the series is known for, such as trading or resource collecting. Instead, the player will be looking to fulfill the requirements on various cards that they draw throughout the game. The puzzle cards in the game display a particular layout of settlements and cities that the player must attempt to build a trade route between. Using hexagonal pieces, the players will need to create a path that navigates around potentially impassable sections of the island, such as deserts or rivers, um, and connect the various mines, wood stores, farms, uh, etc. before completing the trade route between the settlements and cities. Now... I think this might be hard to explain, so I would tell people to go to Dicebreaker 
Logic.com or go to YouTube and look up Catan Logic Puzzle so you can see um, the video, the short little animated video they have on how the game plays. I think this is even more unique than the Ticket to Rad game that we talked about before. Um, as like some of these tiles, they just have resources um, connected already. You're not just putting down like one wood. It might be a piece that has two stone and two wood on it, but in an odd or like odd shape. And you have to fit it into the board the way that the puzzle wants you to. Um, comes with five chapters of adventures, as they say. Um, and it's coming out in... Well, the video says October, but it's listed as Autumn 2021 for 35 bucks. I think another interesting uh, thing has been happening to me where Ticket to Ride and Catan have got me both interested in solo games. Something I said I have no interest in. So, Josh, here's my question for you. Is the only reason you're interested in those is because of the titles they're tied to more of the theme but yeah yes both the theme and the titles because when you look at this game is this a quote-unquote Catan game because they thought it would help it sell more copies maybe that is very that is very possible for sure um but i think at least what i'm seeing doesn't scream that right it's definitely possible but i'm not looking at this thinking like this was definitely a different game. And then they uh, rethemed it. However, it being so much different from Catan, I could, I understand that thought too. Like, um, we definitely live in a world where people retheme things all the time. Right. So that could definitely be it. But uh, I guess I would, I would. If I can see who designed it, that will give us the answer, I think. Um, because it's being it's being published by Cosmos, right? And they don't typically right. publish Catan. I, am I wrong? Or have they always published Catan? And I'm just not... It, the blue label is different now. Well, because Catan Studios yeah. is who publishes Catan typically. Right. Which is now I'm like just like really leaning into the box art to see if I can just see who designed it. But I can't I can't tell who designed it. So who knows? I think if it's designed by um you know, the Catan people, it's definitely them, but uh Oh fireworks. How I loathe you. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Good question. I'm not sure. Uh, it definitely has me interested, though. I really think it's a cool take on Catan. Uh, I don't... Like, this doesn't screen... Like, I don't look at this game and go, oh, I'm going to be playing Catan. I don't, like... Think, True. Like, I don't think that because, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just never associate Catan with single player, period. And it was, wouldn't be fun solo. Uh, so I definitely see it as a different style of game, but uh, I don't know. I just think it looks really cool. And it's within the, I would actually, you know, I would argue 35 bucks might be high based on like the kind of games that we're getting from Funko and Prospero Hall all coming in at that price or lower for pretty much all their games. So it might be high, but you also have the name behind it. 
Yeah, and that's why I'm kind of wondering, and we have this conversation in our Discord all the time about changing characters or retheming of things and and should this be a Catan game or a Catan game or is this just something different and yeah. is is there something about it being Catan like uh to me when you talk about playing Catan it's so much about who you're playing with the negotiation the trading all of that like backstabbing and taking places and trying to outwit someone to build a road before they build it like all of those things are really essential to that experience now i tend to be someone who says well that doesn't mean they can't change that right that doesn't mean they can't broaden what a katana experience is that they can't uh make adjustments you know to the vision of, of the experience that that game gives you yeah but when i look at this i'm just i do not get or i do not <laughs> feel katana at all when I look at it now, with that being said, I think it looks really cool. I think it's a very interesting concept, kind of like you were talking about the way that they navigate through the through um, the board setup as it is. And yes, you're, it's just much, much easier to go watch the video and see what they're doing. Um, it's basically like playing a game of Snake, except you have yeah. limited shapes for it, I guess. Like you can't just go anywhere you want to. Um, it looks really cool. And, and 35, I don't think it's too bad. It does look like it's, you know, a lot of like hunk, chunky pieces there. Uh, a lot of wood, it looks like, which is always going to be is, is nice to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. This, this is, I'm interested in this, but I don't know if I am committed to buying this. Like if it was like pre order now, I don't know that I'd pre order. Sure. Um, but with that being said, Josh, you know, this is $35. Yes. There's that fancy $300 3D version. <laughs> yeah. Of the two games, which would you be more likely to buy? Oh, um, as money isn't an option? <laughs> or it is? Oh, well, well, I mean, well, no, we're going to say that money is an object. Or because, obstacle. you know, that, otherwise it's going to make it pretty easy. <laughs> you know, uh, if if maybe I get like that for my birthday present, like the $300 Katana, like, yes, that's what I would pick. If I'm spending the money... You know, if I had the money to spend, I would, but I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, like, I really want Oculus VR. I mean, a headset, too. So, like, if I had 300 bucks, I'd probably buy Oculus okay, Quest. Okay, there you go. I'd probably buy go. Oculus Quest instead of Catan. So, I guess I, I would go for a logic puzzle. <laughs> and I get fireworks for every decision I make. That's right, and that, they're just really supporting your decision making, which is great. Um, so yeah, like I said, I I don't want to poo poo this too hard. I do think this is a neat looking game. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, single player only board games are always a tough sell. Yep, I agree. Uh, and I really do think that, you know, I I struggle with seeing how much of this is a Catan game. But it still looks interesting. It still looks fun. The thirty-five bucks isn't too bad of a price. I do think you know twenty-nine ninety-nine would have been a little bit better of a price point. I know it's only five dollars, but sometimes five dollars seems like much more. Um, you know, because there's forty total puzzles, four levels of difficulty. Uh, I think maybe thirty bucks would have seemed like a, a little bit better of a price point. But overall, this is interesting, and and I wonder if we're going to continue to see these major franchises. You know. For a while, it was like, hey, here's the card version of all every major game. You know how they're like, oh, like, or the dice version of every major game. So I'm wondering if now we're going to see like the single player or the solo variety of every single game, you know? You were muted, sir. Sorry, I'm muted because <laughs> now the baseball field is doing their firework display. 
and it's considerably louder than all the other ones. <laughs> it's okay. It's just the nature of the beast, and it's, it is what it is. Yeah, I was I was saying next will be Alhambra, the solo solo uh, variant. Because when I was when I was putting together, when I just cleaned up all my board games, I put a bunch of them away because they were like all over the floor. Literally, yeah. it it looked like a hoarder's den. And I was like, oh, God, I was taking some things off the shelves. And right below Alhambra in the same size box was Alhambra the Dice Game. And I was like, one, I forgot I own this. And two, why is it so big? So it's in the closet. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Is there other? Is there another uh, major board game you'd want a, a solo version of that would that you'd be oh. interested in because it's the that IP, you know? I know, because like, I'm so... like apprehensive towards solo games period i don't know but you now have two you're interested in i know but i don't know that they're not they're they're both games that are clearly not going to give me the same experience Mm -hmm. um a solo game you know what i would love a solo game for hunger games where you're actually feeling like you're by yourself i know we never got that video game which we probably deserved like a video game of Hunger Games made right. by a good studio. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like a, a, if I was into solo games, like Hunger Games, Scream Solo, you can like make allegiances, but it's with, you know, automata and you can always break them. You're not like necessarily betraying a human. Like I still haven't played my Hunger Games, but I know it's a cooperative game, which kind of doesn't really make sense with Hunger Games. <laughs> so yeah. I think that would be cool. I mean, <laughs> the Hunger Games as a cooperative game, though, kind of makes sense because that is a lot about like how the you know how things go is that they end up doing it cooperatively, right? Like, right, but you don't. That's not like the idea. Well, yes, by district, right? Yes, but to a certain point, like only one of you can win. Yeah, for so sure. So no, you're never really cooperatively participating in the Hunger Games. You're always out to win. So would you want, if you had it a solo variant of it, would you want the people from like the books in the game, or would it be like a, you know, a different year, like Ooh. a different time? You know, I what think it'd be so more like- fun to make it standalone experience where there's it's either some of the first Hunger Games or mm-hmm. or. You know, we find out that they end up going back to doing them like 10 years later. Gotcha. Speaking in that vein, and I, I don't think a board game exists for this, um, but having like a a Purge game that was solo, um, I think would be fun. I think having a Purge game in general would be a fun board game potentially, but I think especially you could easily write a solo or make a solo version of that uh, movie into uh, a game, I think. Yeah, that could be cool, too, for sure. All right. Anything else about uh, Catan Logic Puzzle? Uh, keep your eyes peeled. It looks interesting. But it definitely, it's lower your expectations, perhaps, if you're listening. What percent chance, Josh? You know, zero to 100. Yeah. What percent chance is that game in your collection at the end of the year? 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll get delayed. We'll see that. Yeah, maybe it won't so. come out. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, Josh, my first story this week uh, is some unlikely partners, perhaps, have gotten together, and that is Amazon and Asmodee, 
and they are finally taking some action and suing game counterfeiters who have been selling board games on Amazon, specifically a group that was selling Dixit expansions. <laughs> um, now, if you're not familiar, and there's a, uh, an article on ICV2 about this, but if you're not familiar, dear listener, uh, counterfeit board games are a big problem on Amazon, especially yes. on Amazon, where you will be buying a game and you don't realize that it is not the actual genuine version but a replica or a reproduction of the game um, being sold by a, a separate third party, typically for the same price or maybe a bit of a discount, um, but from a significant step down in quality often. Uh, usually it's pretty noticeable. Um, you know, the components are just thinner. They're not uh, printed as quality. Like the, the things aren't as vibrant on them. Uh, usually if you get a counterfeit game, for the most part, it, they've been pretty easy to identify. That like you get it, and you're like, this just doesn't seem right. Um, so, with that, Asmodee and Amazon have co um, combined forces, and they are going to sue this company who's been selling them. Now, what they basically did is, um, when they realized there might be an issue, um, Amazon sent a copy of this Dixit expansion to Asmodee and basically said, "Hey." Is this legit or not? And Asmodee was like, no, no, it's not. So they're basically filing claims for trademark infringement, false designation of origin, and false advertising um, are kind of what they're suing for. Uh, Josh, thoughts on this? Good move? Bad move? What, what do you think about them teaming up to, to sue some game counterfeiters? Well, I think it's, it's kind of funny. Um... I'm sorry, I got distracted because my wife was like, is our son still sleeping through this? <laughs> he is, surprisingly. Um, Dixit is funny because it, I always liken it to the Nintendo of board games because it's a game that it never lowers in price. It never, it, it's usually very hard to find after it's out of print. <laughs> and when it comes back it's still the same price as it was 10 years ago so i always think it's funny where like this is the the one they're going for not like all those copies of seven wonders that were sold mm -hmm. uh counterfeit they were all over the place um but good for them for for cracking down on it finally the problem is like it's not a surprise to amazon or even asmodee like they know this is happening so yeah. what what like what brought them to this point? Like, were they, was Asmodee was just like, we're literally not selling any copies of Dixit or, uh, like, or people like sending them like letters because they need replacement cards because they're cut wrong or like, I don't know why, like what brought them to the case just for the specific game? I think for this game, what, what kind of got them onto it was, Previously, um, third-party sellers were the ones who had been distributing, yeah, you know, the counterfeit games. Well, these ones were actually being fulfilled by Amazon. Oh, that's why. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of how it came to their attention. Is that I'm assuming customers must have complained to Amazon, and then Amazon, since they were the ones fulfilling it, were able to send copies yeah. to Asmodee for verification. It, I think that is a, a different level then of, of misrepresentation. But Josh, you bring up an interesting point of if an expansion is no longer in print, <laughs> is yeah. it okay for someone to print up some themselves and sell them? Not to sell it, no. It is okay to reproduce and not sell it. 
Um, and I, that might not even be legal, but in my mind, it's okay to do that. Uh, speaking of Ticket to Ride, like that was a big thing that happened with Ticket to Ride. Not like a, not like a, a printed, like out of print thing, but that mm-hmm. like the person who created that Ticket to Ride, um, Emerald City yep. game, like that is still one of the most sought after Ticket to Ride, yeah, like games, and it was created by some guy who just kept making them, and and he was selling them, he or she. Um, and that was not days of one just not happy with about that. Yeah. So what if then they are producing them and selling them, but they aren't making any money because they're like, well, it cost me this much to make it and it cost <laughs> me this much to ship it. And that's all right. I'm charging people is just, you know, supplies and the shipping costs. I'm not actually making money. Yeah. Is that OK? I don't think so, because it's not the actual represented product of the original designer. Or the people who own the property. Like, it's like you can't go, I mean, you can illegally go buy Orkleys on the streets of New York <laughs> and they look just like Oakleys. Yeah. Um, but they don't reflect the same quality parts, which is exactly what the bigger, oh, a, a big problem with counterfeiter uh, board games is they're made for fractions of the cost with crappy quality products for the, usually, uh, where they're not gonna last as long they're miscut their pieces aren't quality like that's the, the big thing is uh, is i think if your company be like asmodee besides being disappointed like mad that someone's selling your property you're also in a situation where like if you go to someone's house and you've never played dixit before yeah and you play a counterfeit version of dixit and you're just like i don't know, understand why people like this game the, the art is like crappy it's double printed I, yeah. the pieces are bad the board is broken in half like obviously oh this is so annoying uh obviously <laughs> now my son's up of course uh let me just text my wife so yeah i don't like it <laughs> and dixit is a tough one because i was going to use dixit as my example for my next question but then i realized it really wouldn't work because the art is so essential to how dixit goes but i'll so i'll pivot just slightly josh what if you have an Etsy shop and I was going to say you sell like custom Dixit cards basically, but yeah. you know, that that might not be because like I said, the art in Dixit is so important to the game. So that might be a little more challenging, but let's say, you know, using our, the previous story that we just talked about, you sell custom printed, you sell custom 3d printed Catan tiles. Yeah. Is that cool? I don't know. <laughs> The law on that. I know it happens, and I know they're yeah. not getting shut down. So I have to right. imagine it's fine. Um, but you're also that's a representation. Like all you're doing mm-hmm. is you're emulating something, right? I mean, then we'd have to see all these different lawsuits about people making games too similar to Pandemic, or right. Um, I know that this is like a legitimate copy, but um, yeah, I don't know where that line falls because now we see people like um game genic right just speaking of tickets right and stuff mm-hmm. who are who would probably be people who would do something like that are actually getting paid now yeah. to do licensed products that's why if you get a broken token they don't tell you the name of the game they're inserts for they come up with a clever that's like true. fake name for the game because it's not uh, some of the games have the name because they're licensed yeah, by the companies, but some of them are like uh, magical teacher, or... <laughs> yeah. uh, like broken token and things like that. So I think it. Uh, I don't know if for me, 
obviously like counterfeit carries the weight of the the word right but i don't know for me as a consumer it matters that much versus a company yeah and i think in this situation the people who were selling these were trying to pass them off as legitimate. Whereas if you go to an Etsy shop, yeah, that doesn't here's this like, person being like, this look is at a this cool stuff I do for this other thing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it is definitely different from an intent standpoint. Um, how do you feel, you know, do you think there is any parallels between producing a out of print board game and in the video game world, when we talk about ROMs and all yeah. these other things, like are those, <laughs> are those the same thing? Or are they different things? Uh, I also feel weird about ROMs. I think if it's a game that you... It's it's going to be contradictory to what I've been saying. I think there's, there's a game that you can buy, you should buy it. But we're also in a point where we're talking digital media now and, and just trying to find a CRT TV. Like you're saying you want to play dynamite kid on your nes like first you have to have nes second you have to have a tv that you can hook your nes nes up to this is they're trying to censor me this is nintendo uh (laughs) i i think that there's a lot more hoops you have to jump through to make it possible whereas you can just go download a a rom and i'm not gonna lie i i modded my nes classic my snes classic and i literally just watched a video four days ago on how to on how to rock mod my Genesis classic. Like, because it's there and it's easy to do, and I want to do that, but I also understand, like, I probably shouldn't be doing that because I don't own the licenses to those games. And even, like, the the um, the Funhouse channel that I watch, like, sometimes they would play old games, and they but they would be downloading, like, a PlayStation 2 game, Mm-hmm. via a mod but then yeah. they would show they would show look i own, we own it it's legal for us to do this they have like the physical copy in their hands but it you know it could have just been a case or or and they didn't right. do it for everything um and i think like the the old rule on roms was it's legal for you to download a rom if you physically own the game for backup purposes right and i don't know if those laws have changed but I, I, I don't know. It depends. Well, how do you want to skirt the law? Do you want to be like, I think it's another thing. If you're not paying for ROMs, it's a little different mm-hmm. than paying for a counterfeited board game. But I, I, I always feel weird about doing, doing it when I do it. Just I feel less weird about doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is an interesting thing because you know. Uh, we always get into like what is digital media, you know, and now with video games, it's like, oh, you're a licensee. You don't actually own the game. Like you're, you're, you're have the ability to license it, to play it. And yeah, like I said, I don't know that there is a right or wrong answer. I, I know legally there is a right and wrong answer. And then potentially morally, there is a different right or wrong answer there. Uh, it's just very interesting that with board games for some reason because it's a physical product we're like obviously that's wrong you shouldn't do that even if it's something you couldn't buy anyway you know otherwise whereas for roms a lot of it is like well i can't buy the game i would if i could but i can't so it's okay for me to do this you know it just it it is a challenge and and i do still think that we get often caught up in the physical versus digital when it comes to those things and i'm not saying either one is right or wrong or that i'm judging anyone who chooses to do those things um but it, it, it's a complicated situation and you know like 
the ability to buy versus should you have the right to buy something like just because you can't buy something doesn't mean that you should be able to necessarily you know like it's a really really complicated yeah, area it's, it's just it's, it's, it's weird it's, it's a complicated really weird thing. so cool no, anything else I just about, get, uh, i'm having trouble Amazon focusing and <laughs> teaming up? i think it's my neighbors now that are doing it <laughs> that's okay i'm you know what Oh well, congrats. These are the. This is the most fireworks I've gotten this year. Is what okay. I am hearing in the background okay. at your house right now. So I'm, well, I'm fine. Uh, as I what thought to myself, topic, I never knew I needed a director's cut in a video game until now. And then, of course, coincidentally, I started playing Deus Ex: Mankind Director's Cut today before we recorded. I didn't realize it was a director's cut. I don't think I need that one. <laughs> Interesting. But I was like, I'm a big movie guy, so I've always wondered. Like, what is the deal with director's cuts in video games? Because there's so many director's cuts in films, but in a film, it's a guided story where a director's cut typically adds uh, longer scenes, extra scenes, whatever. Um, in video games, I just always find that to be hard hard to to put the director's cut idea in my head. Like, how does a video game director's cut work? Is it like literally just a longer game? How does that work? But right. that gripe aside, we were treated to news of the uh, not too longly rumored and leaked Ghosts of Tsushima director's cut coming out on August 20th to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Uh, and what it is is a new edition uh, that features all new content from the original release alongside a new chapter in Jin's story, which will see him travel to Tsushima's neighboring island of Iki, I'm assuming, or Aiki, I'm not sure how it's pronounced yet. I'll have to play it. Um, in the new story, Jin travels to the island to investigate rumors of a Mongol presence, um, but then he finds himself caught up in events with deeply personal stakes. What could they be? Uh, which force him to revisit some past moments. Uh, not only that, but we're also getting um, some PS5 features, which I think are pretty awesome. Uh, we're going to get haptic feedback and adaptive triggers for use on those PS5 controllers, which will be real fun pulling back on a bow now um, and actually feeling that pull, which is so, so <laughs> cool. Um PS5 yeah. players also are going to get 3D audio if you have that sweet 3D audio headset. Um, drastically improved load times. I don't know how that is even possible. But I guess if you're going to put drastically uh, in quotes in your description, it must be no load times. <laughs> I was going to say... I don't know how they. That was my exact same thought. How how do you None. drastically improve <laughs> yeah. the load time of a game that's load times were seconds, like basically nothing? Like how do yeah. you, I don't that's, know? Because fast travel in that game literally took yes. like two seconds. Uh, we're gonna get four K. I don't know how. Okay, sixty well, we'll frames see, I guess. per second, which is awesome. I can't wait to replay that game. Um, and they're adding in lip sync for Jap for the games. Hey, they're excited for sixty frames. <clears throat> They're going to add lip sync for the Japanese voiceover, which means I actually might play my second playthrough in um, Japanese and do English subtitles. Um, I think that could be fun. 
Um, so yeah, it's going to be available as a full-price digital and physical release for 60 bucks on PS4, 70 on PS5. Um, and I believe, let's see, if you own the original edition, you can upgrade to Director's Cut anytime um, from August 20th for $20 to upgrade from the original version to Director's Cut on PS4, but $30 if you want to go from PS4 to PS5, which you kind of have to, right? Because it only came out on PS4. So uh, if you want to play it on PS5, it's 30 bucks extra right. or $70 total. Um, and if you do buy the PS4 Director's Cut, if you do end up getting a PS5, it'll only cost you $10, which is the difference in price anyways, to get the upgrade. So yeah, uh, August 20th. It also is going to include a free update uh, introducing new photo mode options, new accessibility options for controller remapping, the option to enable a target lock-on during combat, <clears throat> and the ability to hide your quiver during gameplay, which is pretty cool. They're also teasing more for um, Ghost of Tsushima Legends, including an all-new mode, which we'll hear about soon. Kyle, how excited, if at all, are you for this? I am stoked because I loved this game. Uh, I re- like really, really loved Ghost of Tsushima. I thought it was excellent. Uh, and any excuse to go back and revisit it, including especially the excuse of new story stuff to go do, I'm in. Like, I'm totally in. Yeah. Uh, and I'm actually surprised how soon it is. Uh, also a little surprised that they're releasing it that close it's gonna get to uh, Kina. <laughs> Because uh, that's kind of what I was thinking. Also, just mm. PlayStation's bad at putting all their things at the same time, so it could be that too. But I'm really excited about this. I know there has been some uh, lip service, if you would, about whether or not this should be a charge for update. Yeah, it is DLC. Uh, I think obviously when you're adding ostensibly DLC, um, you know, like I don't know that that's a bad thing. Uh, I, I don't think that is um, price gouging by any means. It's, hey, here's this DLC stuff you can do. I do think it is a little um, weird to upgrade, like have to pay for like the 60 frames per second, like and that kind of stuff. Like that, I think is a little, a little weird uh, and and not ideal. But for you know, for me, basically, it's wrapped in with the story expansion. So for whatever, I guess, for from my perspective, for me at least. But if for some reason you just wanted the PS5 features and not the story expansion, I guess you're in a kind of a weird place. Um, so so that is a bit odd. But yeah, I'm really excited for this. Um, also, uh, there's gonna be monkeys in it, and you get to pet the monkeys. Um, so that I guess is going to be our foxes for the future. Uh, new trophies, that's yeah. always nice. And you know, we haven't gone back and played yeah, it, uh, Legends mode, that. but when we did play it, I really liked it. I thought it was great. Uh, so I'm definitely looking yeah, forward and to I mean, Frozen Wilds was you, thirty Josh? bucks when really it came out, twenty four ninety nine for Horizon. So um, I mean, it, there was a lot of content in that, which was Something I think like that, surprising. Yeah. But I think um, this adds more with all those extra modes if you're taking advantage of them. Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, my, oh, that's shaking my mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my wife was watching the trailer with me, um, and she was even remarking how good it looks, um, just like the 4K trailer. So I think uh, very exciting. I'm excited to revisit. This was a game, of course, we talked about like me losing all my save data, so this will be a game I'll be starting from scratch again. 
Um, so I'm just going to wait until August 20th to start from scratch. I have to. I have no choice. <laughs> That's a good idea. And you can. And you, yeah, but I mean, I'm, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you could play the PS4 version on your PS5 right now if you wanted. Um, yeah. No, I understand. You might as well wait at this point for sure. And it, it will be a bit though, because I think you have to get pat. You have to get to the second area before you can do the DLC. Um, so if you are starting it right away, brand new, if you would, you won't be able to do everything right away. Like you'll have to wait. Uh, until you get a little further in the game to do that DLC if you if you decide to start over. But uh, I'm excited about this. I do hope they keep doing things like this. I, I really like um, going back to games I enjoy um, with fun little additions like this. Um, I am... <laughs> Every time I boot up my PS5, I like I really want to play the Assassin's Creed Valhalla DLC, but I have these other games that I'm playing right. that I feel like I have to justify <laughs> finishing those before I go do this DLC, but I really just want to go play the Star DLC. Uh, but now I at least have to get that done before August 20th because, I mean, then I'm just going to play the DLC for Ghost of Tsushima. So there we go. But I'm stoked about this. I'm excited. Uh, I hope it turns out well. I, I am going to be curious how long it is. That's the one thing I wish I knew. More out of a curiosity's sake than anything else. Um, is there a certain amount of time you think it, this uh, needs to be? I don't to know, make for 30 quote, unquote, bucks? Or like, it? what, five hours? Four hours? I don't know. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm thinking that it's also including all this bonus <laughs> stuff, like the 4K60. I mean, how much did Miles Morales cost? 50 right. bucks? 40 bucks? 50? So, yeah. Um, you know, 50, we're, we're getting 30 bucks. Yeah. Give us four or five hours of of story mode and then all this other, like, added stuff. Um, I think it's worth it. it. Well, it could be worth it at that price. Well, and for they have the benefit of the doubt, or I shouldn't say benefit of the doubt, but they have the benefit that being yeah. the gameplay of the game is so fun and people enjoy the game. So I think they probably don't need to have as lengthy of content to make people still think it's worth it because it's just so much fun to play, right? Like your fun value is greater because you're like, oh, this is great. So even if it's a less amount of time, you still have a lot of fun. So you're yeah. like, oh, that's fine. That's that all the side stuff you'll be um, able so to do that'll take up time too. Favor, but cool. Let's just not call Absolutely. them director's cuts. Anything else about the director's cut you want to talk about That will make me there? feel better. But they can do it. Okay. <laughs> Yes, okay. Mr. I'll, PlayStation. You should, you should write Mr. <laughs> PlayStation. Dear Mr. PlayStation. Awesome. All right, so for my second story, uh, looks like we are getting some clarity on who is developing this forever rumored return to Silent Hill. Uh, and it looks like, you know, the, one of the studios that was rumored about it is probably doing it. Uh, and that is because Konami and the medium developer Bloober Team have announced a strategic partnership. So... Obviously, this is going to push those Silent Hill rumors into overdrive. And it's important to note, they did not specifically say they were making a new Silent Hill. But based off of the games Bloober Team has made in the past, that seems reasonable um, that this is what would be going on. So uh, I'm going to read a little bit from the article over on Games Radar. It says, Konami and the medium developer Bloober Team have announced a, quote, strategic partnership, end quote, which will see them, quote, jointly developing selected contents, end quote. The news was announced in a press release early this morning, Wednesday, the 30th of June, with a statement from Pietor Bobby, Bobino, Bobbiano, Bobbiano, I'm going to go with Bobbiano, Bloober Team CEO, which said, 
It was a historic day for me and the culmination of several years of our work. The fact that such a renowned company as Konami has decided to strategically cooperate with the Bloober team means that we also joined the world leaders in gaming and became an equal partner for the leading players in the market. Uh, to be clear, this isn't an acquisition of Bloober team by Konami, but a strategic cooperation agreement, which means that the publisher and developer will work together to jointly develop selected contents and exchanging know-how. So Josh, obviously most people right yeah. away go to, hey, Bloober team is going to make Silent Hill. Now, the rumors about a new Silent Hill have been kind of all over the place, uh, including the idea that there's multiple new Silent Hill games in the works is one of the ones that's been out there and has been actually for some time. If Bloober Team is the next team well, to first make a of Silent all, Hill this game, does not, what are your thoughts? This doesn't really do anything. All it does is fuel the fire of the rumor mill. They have, it's like we have no way to know if they're doing Silent Hill. Yes. <clears throat> We have no way to know if anyone's doing Silent Hill. Um, if it's Blooper Team, I mean, it makes sense, right? It seems like a, a, a natural fit for where we are. I could imagine other studios doing it as well, though. Um, I just, I don't know. This is going to be something that I just won't believe it until I see it. And if we're going to be talking about rumors, like, just like this whole Dead Space thing that's popping up recently too um which could be very exciting if true but we have no official confirmation from anybody yeah i mean i think that that one seems pretty solid based on what people were saying it's (laughs) happening i wish the answer was ssx and not you know dead space but i know i'm like the 10 percent of the world you know i played the medium but anyway not silent hill it is comparative uh, to Silent Hill, but it's not nearly as good as Silent Hill, in my opinion. Um, but it's so close, right? Like it shows a lot of promise from them, so I could see that definitely being a good studio to do Silent Hill. I think really it just comes down to what kind of Silent Hill game are they going to make? And you're right, if they make multiples, I think that'll be weird. Having waited so long for Silent Hill to just kind of come out with two or three of them. Um, and it's going to be a <laughs> tough bridge to gap because we all knew what we were going to be getting. And that was like Guillermo del Toro and a Deo Kojima game. Yeah. Like, where do you, like, you don't recover from that catastrophe of a collapse. So maybe they're just like, we can't do Silent Hill now. <laughs> like, everyone knew what it was going to be. We had so much that we had to remove it forever anyone yeah. ever playing it again <laughs> yeah yeah but it's it's taken like some still effort on my ps4 keep it, sure. i still have it uh so yeah i don't know what's gonna happen uh it has yes i really just want it to come out and be good i don't know how, that it matters to me that uh blooper team or anyone is working with konami i just want to hear the words from Konami, we are working on a new Silent Hill game. <laughs> That's all I want to hear. When you look at the world and developers available to make a Silent yes. Hill game right now, I guess Bluebird Team makes a lot of sense. With that being said, I I don't know that this this doesn't diminish my desire for a new Silent Hill. Yes, but indeed. it also doesn't make me like more excited about it. You know what I'm saying? 
I'm like, I I feel very trepidatious, I guess I would say, about it. And that doesn't mean that Bloober Team won't make a great game. That that I'm not trying to say that at all. But there, I think, when you're announcing something like this, there are certain teams or certain people that would make you excited about a new Silent Hill. Certain teams or people that would make you disappointed about a new Silent Hill. And for Bloober Team, I I am Luke. I'm just right in the middle. I just don't feel much of anything about it. <laughs> and I, in some ways, I think that might actually be the worst way to go about it. Uh, and it might be great. Like I said, it might be very, very good. But when I when I when I read this, I was like, oh, okay. And that's literally like what I felt about it. I was like, oh, okay. So we'll see what happens. I I hope that it's yes. good. I think obviously Bloober Team has the ability to make good games. I don't know that I would say they've made a great game yet, but maybe this will be the one. They have a lot of experience under their belt. They have done some really unique and cool things. Uh, and if you think about you know Silent Hill and, and the world that that is, based off of the things they have done in the past, they have the potential to do some cool things. Now, they have the potential to not do some cool things too, but we'll have to wait and see. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I want to be excited about it. You know, Silent Hill was a game that Silent Hill, Silent Hill 2, like when I still played horror games, those are some horror games I played and I really, really liked. Yeah. You know, and I don't play them as much anymore. Horror games are a thing that I just play not as them. into. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right until you do which is fine uh when i'm playing with someone it's usually not as big of a deal but uh yeah is there something else you want them working on though because they said it could be multiple properties i mean are there other konami properties you want blue team working uh, on do you want them to make the next pez metal like, gear what do, you, what do you want blue team to, to work on as i don't well? know i don't have an i don't have a konami property that i think that they should be working on specifically do you want I was kidding about Metal Gear. I was thinking about Metal Gear Survive the whole time you were talking about Silent Hill. Because <laughs> you know how well that went. <laughs> that game. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're working on... So, uh... Yeah. I don't know why in my brain every Konami property has gone blank. <laughs> well, and I think a big reason being is that they have a couple of really big ones and that's it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's not true. They have a couple of really standout ones that people are excited about. And then they have a whole lot of other ones that people are just, I think they have their fans, but they're not, you know, going to be the mainstream blockbusters, you know, outside of Metal Gear, you know, Silent Hill, uh, Pez, obviously is still huge. Cause they have like Bomberman and stuff, don't they? Uh, yeah, I think they have Bomberman. I'm just doing a quick glance, like of something that, that like really like, and I'm, just looking at recent games, I probably should have looked at 10 years ago, right? Probably would have been the better thing to do, yeah. Because I really feel like Konami, they have huge hits, but I think they're mostly um, Western hits, right? I'm trying to think of the fighting game that I'm blanking on. Is it not Guilty Gear, right? No. I mean, what if they're doing Dance Dance Revolution together? I don't know. <laughs> they could, they could. Uh, um, and obviously, uh, duh, Castlevania. Castlevania, Yes. That's the obvious one. Maybe they could do a Castlevania. That wouldn't be horrible. Now I feel like a bad video gamer not thinking of Castlevania. Maybe they're making a Yu-Gi-Oh trading card game. They could be. But yeah, I mean, I think that obviously Castlevania, Silent Hill, um, and Metal Gear are their big ones. I think they're. I think Contra is them too. Uh, so yeah. though we did have a Contra game not that long ago that was not all that great. Uh, but those and then um, Pez... Um, 
you know, are, are really kind of what they're known for. So that doesn't mean they can't bring back other things. They obviously were big in the arcade days. You know, they had a lot of things back then. So they have a lot of dormant IP too that probably aren't being used all that much. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I, you know, I, they really seem to indicate in this press release that they want it to be more than just Silent Hill. Yeah. Uh, and they, like I said, they never officially said that they're making a Silent Hill, but I don't know why you go to Bloober Team if you're not. I am more interested what non-Silent Hill games they're going to make. That, to me, is actually right, more interesting. Right, right. I agree with you. New IPs. So, yes. So, cool. All right. Anything else about uh, Konami and Bloober Team? No. I mean, hey, when, when studios partner together, it's always good. Yeah. I really like Bloober Team's name. I like saying Bloober <laughs> a lot. All right, Josh. What is your third topic? Okay, Kyle. I will never understand people's takes on Monopoly. And this article has a lot of hot takes. But does this new Monopoly game improve the original game as this person would have you believe? Now, this is more about my issues with this person's take on Monopoly than it is about this new game. But, um, in fact, I don't even I don't even know that I can confirm this is a new game. It's not. It's an old game. <laughs> it's from 2008. Yeah, it's not. It's a yeah, game Monopoly I just never heard very of. very old. Um, so this is from Dicebreaker, um, and this is an opinion piece by Matt Travis, who I actually read a lot of his articles, um, and I'm not like coming for him, but I kind of am. Uh, (laughs) so the headline to this article is Monopoly Deal is the only Monopoly worth playing because it understands why the board game sucks. And I have to immediately disagree right away. I don't think Monopoly sucks. I know that this, and this headline to me really is just perpetuating this horrible part of the board game industry like that people feel the need to say things like this and maybe matt is one of those people um but he's a game journalist so maybe he should be a little bit more open-minded but that is just my opinion piece on matt jarvis um on his opinion (laughs) he sub he sub headlines of being bad feels pretty good so um, he talks about all the different variations of Monopoly um, between from all the different versions uh, that are licensed um, to the cheating version of Monopoly. And he he mentions that there's only been one Monopoly game that, that's really worth playing, which is Monopoly Deal, um, that he says that is actually fun, um, where he then says, Monopoly hitters, prepare to eat your top hat token, which doesn't make sense because you would want to say Monopoly lovers prepare to eat your top hat token, Matt. <laughs> uh, but he says Monopoly deal is a Monopoly that's good. So it is a card game. I Now, I will say this. I have seen people play, and I didn't, and I'm assuming now that it was this game, but there was a card game Monopoly that I have seen people play in the past that they have always said was good and it's coming it's coming from all over the place board game industry and just people i knew from growing up or school yeah i I think monopoly deal is widely considered to be far and away the best version of monopoly there is so so he goes on to mention that it is a card game um where it's just a single deck of cards that have properties um and you have uh, money cards and auction cards, and the setup is pretty easy. Uh, all you need to do is check how much cash each player starts with, and then argue over how free parking works, 
as he says, did I lose you in audio for a second? No, oh, my here. screen froze up, so maybe you lost my audio there. No, I was good. I was I was oh, listening. Okay, good. It must be these fireworks getting right into the Ethernet. <laughs> um, so he does mention what's most impressive about Monopoly Deal is that it, it still feels like Monopoly. Um, where he says, on your turn, you draw two cards, play three, adding... Uh, you know, I, I honestly, before I go on, I might get this to bring to the beach. This could be a fun game to play for me to try since I've never played it. Um, so he goes on and on uh, to talk about um, the the meanest parts. It still has the meanest parts of Monopoly, uh, which is all the take that moments where you charge rent um, and things like that. But there's something that really, really bugged me about this opinion piece. And I want to see if I can find it now. Um, Because he said the goal of Monopoly... So he says it is also understands that Monopoly is about being bad. Players are the villains of the world. Landlords, debt collectors, wealth hoarders. And the ruthless gameplay doesn't pretend otherwise. And I couldn't disagree more with that statement. Monopoly is about becoming successful. It's not about being a bad person. You're not like... You are trying to create a monopoly. I get that. And maybe inherently that's a bad thing. Um, But as a person who wants to be... Uh, uh, tycoon, like your goal is to be as successful as you can be. I don't, it's about making deals. I'm not like when I'm playing Monopoly, I might have fun with friends and like tease them and stuff, but I'm not like out there trying to throw them on the street and make them homeless. I'm just trying to win a game. So I don't, I just, I really have in my entire life playing probably over a thousand games of Monopoly, I have never once associated it with being a villain or being a bad person. Why would you ever I mean, play that game if it was about being a bad person? But but Josh, how do you win Monopoly? You own as much, well, you own more and have the most money at the end. Right, and typically how does that result in happening? Well, it's like because every everyone board else game ever though. Broke. Is Catan about being a bad person? I mean, some would say, yeah. Ugh, I don't. I hate that take. Why would you ever play board <laughs> games if it was about being a bad person? I mean, if, if you think about it, like really, Monopoly. The point is to make everyone else be broke. Well, like I guess you're if you want to look, mortgage all of their property, you know, if like, you look at it that way, sure. To, but I don't. I yeah. never looked at it as making everyone else be broke. I just looked at it as like <laughs> winning the game. Right by making everyone else be poor, as poor as possible. And you as rich as possible. Sure. Yes. Okay. So maybe they can't live on on boardwalk. They have to get a house like a regular person. <laughs> I don't like. I don't picture me like ruining someone's life playing Monopoly. <laughs> I guess it's just my perspective. <laughs> I just never viewed it that way. Um. So yeah. I don't know. So. I, <laughs> so I get your opinion. <laughs> Well, and I'm, and I'm not even necessarily seeing that I agree with it. And I'll be honest, I haven't played regular Monopoly in a long time, but correct me if I'm wrong, right? Like, isn't the point of Monopoly, like, the game only ends once everyone else is out and you are out when you don't have any money left. Right, when they can't like, afford to pay the rent on your property or, right. or pay their mortgage back if they took out a loan off of their property. Right. 
Right. So realistically, like that is what the goal of the game is, is that you have all of the wealth yes. and no one else in the game has any. Sure. And it's not like I have the most. It's like all and none. I don't disagree with that. But that doesn't. So that's all I'm saying. Why some people think it's like a like. But then you're that. implying that the winner is <laughs> that you're a villain. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe for, just for me, like it makes it sound like the winner is a bad person. Like, why would you ever play a game where winning means you're a bad person? <laughs> like, just not just like bad, like that you're a bad person. <laughs> like, I won, and everyone's like, I hate you. You're a bad person. No, we don't like you. We don't ever want to play this game with you again. Like. Just that 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 viewpoint, and maybe that's not what he meant, but to say to say like the goal of Monopoly is about being bad. I'm not playing villainous. I'm playing Monopoly. Like I'm not trying to kill a Peter Pan. I'm just trying to get rent for my hotel on Park Place, which I have to pay for because I am a landlord. <laughs> right, and I, I think it just depends on how you abstract yeah. it, right? Like because. You know, you could look I'm at Catan way, and be like, well... I'm Kat- up above the roof on this one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you could be like, well, Catan realistically is all about imperialism, right? Yeah. Like, you're expanding, you're taking places over. You're not caring about whether other people were there before. Like, you are, you know, doing what you need to right, do what a horrible way in to order look to at win that the game. game. <laughs> but, I, well, I'm just saying, though, that is like the theme yes, of the game, though, I right? Agree. Is going in and taking over land. <laughs> so, I, I do think it depends on how heady you want to get about it. They change but the town. Like you have to kill fifty indigenous people to plant sheep here. <laughs> like, uh, which I don't they want could to do have that. <laughs> you know, so, and I, I do think it just—it really is how much do you examine what the theme is saying, right? Because realistically, for Monopoly, it, I mean, it isn't about who. Like, let's all try to be successful, and at the end, who just was? I was super successful, and you were pretty successful but since i was super successful i won and you lost because you were only pretty successful it is i won because i have all of the wealth and you all lost because i took all of your wealth from you you know so i get it to a degree it is kind of a cruddy feeling like as far as that goes like you know and there is obviously a huge pushback and you know you your folks beliefs on capitalism and everything else is going to play into this but you know like making people mortgage all of their homes and all of their wealth and giving it all to you i don't think most people would see that as a good thing <laughs> like i i don't know anyways i can get it for five bucks on amazon so i'll pick this up and bring it on vacation yeah, I was gonna say the yeah Monopoly deal super cheap, super quick, fa- fast game. Like it is like ten or fifteen minutes with two people. I think like very very quick, easy to pick up game. How many players? Um, is it? I think it plays up to two to five, four, and I think there's a special version that plays like up to seven or something like that. Yeah, two to five for the regular. There's an Amazon uh, special edition, still two to five though. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll check it out. There'll definitely be five or more people there, so I'll give it a shot. Um, so I'll say, uh, if you're listening, tweet at us and let me know what do you think. Do you think? Do you think Monopoly? Do you do you think? Are you so? Are you on my side as being super like offended of the idea of being a bad person? Are you more on Kyle's side where? He can see it, but he doesn't necessarily think that. Or are you just flat out like, I don't care. <laughs> Tweet at us and let us know. <laughs> I want to know what you think. So, And I'll be really interested to know if this is going to be your favorite version of Monopoly after you I play it. I'm very interested to, to figure that out. So um, I'll have to give it a shot. Give it a chance.
Excellent. Well, I look forward to hearing about it after your vacation. So, all right, Josh, my final story is uh, PlayStation is making some moves. Uh, some of them probably not unexpected. Others potentially surprising. Uh, and that PlayStation announced a couple acquisitions this week, including Returnal developer Housemark and uh, I believe Dutch porting studio Nixus Software. I think they're Dutch. Um, so let's start talking a little bit here about Housemark, Josh. You know, Housemark, a studio who, for the most part, has only really made PlayStation games for the last yeah. <laughs> you know, decade or so, even though they've been around a lot longer than that, um, really seems to kind of fall in the vein of when they acquired Insomniac. That granted, Insomniac had done Sunset Overdrive, but for the most part, had been making PlayStation games. Um, what were your thoughts when you heard about the acquisition of Housemark? Uh, I wasn't surprised, but I also thought it was great news. Um, gives Housemark a little bit more um, back support from Sony. Maybe gives some opportunities to. I mean, Returnal's a huge game, right? But like, maybe gives some yeah. opportunities to make an even bigger game or be more adventurous. Um, but again, this is another huge swing for them. I don't. I think what they did with Returnal was something that a lot of studios like them would have done after getting acquired by a big studio. Like, they did it yeah. already. We already went bigger <laughs> in off of our, like, where we usually go. So uh, it's just nice to see them. It's nice to see their work pay off, I guess is what I would say. With that rambling. I agree. And, uh, <laughs> no, I think that was great. And, you know, even if you have issues with Returnal, especially, like, the save system and whatever, I don't think I, – I think Returnal was a really great proof of concept that Housemark can make a, like – triple a quality title like the save system and stuff aside like audio design narrative design like how the gameplay works like all that stuff is great uh, it's done really really well in this game and i and i think it shows that you know the when housemark did their whole article and they did their blog post about like arcade being dead like obviously their arcade games they made were exceptional games purely because of gameplay um and this shows that they have more chops than that that they really can uh do much more and not more in a way to minimize what they had done before but that they aren't limited to only being able to make games like that that they can make many other games and many other style games so for me i'm really interested to see like where this leads to them next is it going to be returnal to is it going to be something very different than that i i'm really interested to see kind of how they want to go now because they have all access now to like not that they did it before but even more so all of you know the resources that playstation has and like playstation's motion capture studios used by like third-party studios all over like that are using playstation's motion capture play technology and studio and things like that so it'll be interesting to see what they do there um i was reading an article they did an interview with uh gq uk um and I thought it was just really funny because it's so different than how things are in the U.S. Because uh, they were talking to Housemark's founder and they're like, hey, like, what can you tell us, you know, about the future? Like, what's next now that this has happened, that this acquisition has happened? Because first they asked about whether saves, you know, mid-run saves are coming. And he's like, we're not going to talk about that right now. And they're like, well, what's next, you know, just in general? And he's like, well, you know, the team's on vacation right now. And some of them are taking last year's vacation, too. So once everyone's back at the studio, and I was just like, how different things are in Europe <laughs> compared to the United States. We were just like, everyone's gone right now, so we really don't know. You know, <laughs> Like, we'll talk about it when we get back. Yeah, everyone's gone right now here, too, but in a, in a different way where we, just no one's going back to their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're like, yeah, so, we don't need to work. 
you know, and I, I really do think, and I know this probably will sound weird, but it would be really nice if, like, in general, we all did have vacation at, like, roughly the same time, or at least everyone at my work did. Because it's really annoying when I'm, like, need something, but then someone's <laughs> just randomly gone for two yeah. weeks. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll just wait for two weeks and not do anything about this because there's nothing I can do. But if we were all just gone at the same time, like if we just all had this certain amount of time off, it would make things way easier, I think. Yeah, my boss is on vacation for three weeks and then I start my week when he comes back. So it'll be over a month since I had seen him last. (laughs) Yeah. And if you were just all gone at the same time, like when you got back, it'd be way more efficient. (laughs) But anyway. So, yeah, so congratulations to Housemark, I guess. Uh, I think this was not a surprising acquisition. I think they definitely um, were one of the ones that I think most people could say, like, this is makes sense of what we could see PlayStation doing. Um, I am still going to go on record, though, and I've said this before, and I know I'm not saying that we're getting into a monopoly situation by any means, but I'm always bummed when we have fewer independent studios. Sure. Um, I think we're getting a lot of in- new independent studios, bubbling up which is good yeah i think it, the the money is there right now and i think that is one thing playstation is doing well in addition to like obviously this acquisition but giving seed money to studios who are you know going out on their own and being like hey we're gonna help support you like getting started but we're not acquiring you like here's some money you know go do your thing um i think it's great um so you know as, as long as that stays healthy and we still keep getting those independent studios i i'm not super worried about it but i i still am like you know, there's people out there who are like, oh, PlayStation needs to buy Square Enix. And I'm like, no, please don't. Like, then you buy Capcom. It's like, ah, let's not do that either. You know, like, let's uh, one studio like this. OK, but, you know, let's let's not go buy publishers, I don't think. Um, then building off that, just a couple days later, uh, they announced the acquisition of Nixus Software, which is a porting studio who mostly ports games to PC. Uh-uh. Huh. Interesting. So, Josh, what are your thoughts when you heard about uh, Nixus Software joining the PlayStation Studios family? Well, at first, I was like, who? And then I was like, what? But, yeah, uh, I don't know how this is going to do for these Sony fans. And I say these in quotes um, because there's going to be, like, this clearly shows an initiative from Sony. I would imagine. It has to, right? Why else require them? Um, yeah. and I'm all for it. Like we've talked about this before. I'm all for it. And, and as a matter of fact, Horizon Zero Dawn deserved a better port to the PC. And if these are the type of people that can help that happen, then bring them all over. Get all these porters over. Get those uh, people who did Skylanders over here too. Uh, <laughs> toys from no, the people that we talked about before who we didn't realize all they did was ports. Uh, Get those. We we thought it was Toys for Bob, but it was that other studio we were talking about. Yeah, there is now uh, absorbed by yeah, Blizzard, basically. Yeah. Get get all these people over. Let's get. I mean, Days Gone selling great. Horizon sold great when it came out on PC. Like they know that they have the market now. People are willing to pay for it. So start making good ports of your game so they they represent your incredible IPs the proper way. Yeah, and I think an interesting and important thing to note about this this acquisition is that the press release from Sony specifically said that um, Nixus will join PlayStation Studios' technology, creative, and services group to provide high-quality in-house technical and development capabilities for PlayStation Studios. Yeah. So they aren't, they aren't making their own games. 
Right. They're here to help support the other studios. Uh, and this is something that is important that, you know, building games in, in the worlds that are being created um, are more complex and more challenging than ever before. I think we just saw recently 2K acquired the stu- the studio that they had been working with who did all of the motion or all the facial capture for like their Red Dead Redemption and 2K series and NBA 2K series. So like getting these technologically and like focused companies is really important right now is that there's so much work that goes into these games that anything you can do to better support um, and provide in-house especially support to to these areas is, is really going to be helpful um I, I i still think that playstation single player games like those really narrative driven games I, i'm gonna say i believe at least for the probably long-term future are going to be still releasing exclusively on playstation consoles and will be ported down the road is kind of what i think is going to be happening however playstation has indicated that they have a large desire to also get more into multiplayer gaming so it not surprise me to see them launching multiplayer focus games on pc and playstation at the same time and i i i'm hedging my bets is that that's what a lot of this acquisition is to is to help with that where they can have the pc and playstation versions of online games you know multiplayer games running as seamlessly as possible from the beginning we've seen them doing this with some third-party games that they had made for them predator hunting grounds being an example Um, but i think if you know they had it their ways that maybe destruction all-stars would have launched on pc as well you know and i i i have no nothing to base this off of other than just my hunch but this kind of is what this feels like to me is is a way to help with porting down the road, but also really to help those multiplayer games come potentially day and date um, to PC. What are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> yes. I wholeheartedly agree. I think everything you said is spot on. Makes sense. They have no reason to put their first party games out at launch. Um, but I think this also gives them the support and the comfort of knowing that they can do it when they're ready. Yeah. So, um, Last thing then is that, you know, when this uh, Housemark uh, acquisition was announced, uh, PlayStation Japan Oops. accidentally tweeted out one that said, welcome, Bluepoint. So we'll see after that, Bluepoint updated their Twitter bio to indicate that they're an independent studio. <laughs> um, some people say that's confirmation from Bluepoint that they're not being acquired. Others say that's just Bluepoint being cheeky because Bluepoint is known to be cheeky. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. It just seems really odd and because it was not just like a tweet. It was like art with a blue point logo yeah. like it would just be really odd for that to randomly just exist somewhere without it being true um so we'll see you know i i think if if they aren't acquiring blue point the fact that that exists somewhere is just weird right right <laughs> like that just seems really odd uh because that is something that usually would come down uh, for marketing not something that you know someone on the social media team would yeah. make yeah. <laughs> so it just seems a little weird there um cool uh, anything else about PlayStation acquisitions or, or this recent news at all? Nope. I think we covered my thoughts on it. One final quick thing for you, yeah. Josh. Um, in, in interviews about these acquisitions, Herman Hulst, uh, president of or chairman, whatever, of Worldwide Studios, uh, made it very clear. He said that we're not in an arms race. This is not a studio's <laughs> arms race. So we're very selective about... Um, our acquisitions and where we choose to acquire companies yeah. and, and, and when we choose not to. Do you buy that? Do you think he doesn't think it's an arms race or, or what do you think PlayStation is thinking right now? I mean, it's an extreme comparison, sure. But no, I mean, it is an arms race. 
uh, to a degree. Uh, I mean, Sony will always be successful with their first-party games, right? But if you're Sony, you can't just sit there and watch Xbox eat up all of the competition because eventually it will catch up to you, potentially. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they also need to um, get some studios, get some people in here, buy, buy them up if they can, just for future development, I think. I mean, who knows? Sony could last up forever. But it seems smart to acquire studios when you can. But I also agree. I mean, the implication is they're being picky, I think, and that's fine. Like, you should be picky. You should yeah, just buy studios to buy studios. Agreed. So be Agreed picky, yeah. Sure. I mean, it's your it's your brand, so you want whatever you buy to reflect your brand. Um, you know, I think Housemark is now the thirteenth studio they have. Nix is like doesn't really count because they're not going to be making their own yeah. games. Um, but you know, when you compare it to what Xbox has, because Xbox is twenty three plus because we are pretty certain more coming down potentially up to 26 like i I don't yeah it's not an arms race per se but like really really hard to like release games at a similar clip when your main competitor has twice as many first party studios as right right and all those games are coming to their their netflix program day and date service (laughs) yeah so their subscription service so cool all right, well, with that, we'll transition here and talk about our homework. Obviously, every two weeks, Josh and I give one another some homework that we need to do, and we report back on how it has gone. Uh, two weeks ago, I assigned Josh, you needed to play Farm Together because he was making fun of me for playing it. So, Josh, did you complete your homework? And if so, what were your thoughts? Well, first, I was only making fun of you for playing it because you were playing that instead of Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> First, oh, it's I was playing with my partner. I wasn't playing by myself. Well, that's where fair. it came from. Uh, I did play it. Um, I played it with my wife, actually. Uh, yeah, and I played it a lot, a lot. I played it for more than I thought I would. I thought it was okay. pretty fun. Uh, it is very much Farmville for PlayStation, yeah. uh, and I mean that in the positive and negative ways. Yep. Uh, it's a slow start and I don't know how, I don't know if if it's possible for them to make the font smaller oh um, my gosh which so is probably read. one of my biggest frustrations with this game um, that being said uh, it, it, it for a little bit it becomes like the water can simulator which is not fun um, right. but I think overall uh, it's you said it was relaxing I didn't find it relaxing it's very task driven, so I found it to be um, uh, fulfilling. I guess would be the word I would use. Once I was able to, like the first time we played, I think we just played for two hours straight, and we just kept doing stuff and then waiting because we're like, "Hey, there's nothing to do right now, and we have no money." Right, then you just be done. But right, but I was like, I told Kyle to play for an hour. So then I like I didn't and I and when we started playing I didn't realize it was real time for harvesting. Yeah, it is an hour consecutively. Well, I didn't realize it was an, like real time harvesting. So we we're just like yeah. waiting for our potatoes to grow. And then my wife figured it out and I was like, "Oh, okay, let's shut it off." You know, and then we went back the next day and played it for like 30 minutes and then the next day for an hour maybe. Um because obviously you you can do more things when you come back, but um, overall, I, I actually enjoy it more than she does. She st- stopped liking it pretty quickly 
and she oh, okay. plays Stardew Valley and she plays all these games. She's like, so you don't sleep. I was like, no. And you don't do anything else. You can't talk to anybody. Uh, you, you, and I was like, no. And you she's visit like, other people's farms. I can't customize my avatar. I was like, I guess not. Every time it's a different avatar for her. Doesn't, yeah, you can, like, whoever is, like, the main yeah, person can customize theirs. Yeah, but then Metro yeah, the other crazy. person. She couldn't be her, her character she created. So it was less fun for her uh, overall, but I, I, I don't hate it. I think it's a fun little game that if she wanted to keep playing with me, I could see us putting in a couple hours a week just at night. But if she's mm-hmm. not into it, I'm probably done. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's fine. And like I said, it, I don't. It very much is like if you're someone who liked Farmville, like this is a game that you probably would enjoy. Uh, and I say it's relaxing only because it's task oriented, but you get to choose the tasks. Like there's no real right or wrong decision. Like you do get quests to do, but like if you don't want to do them, you just don't have to do them. Okay. Right. I thought like, you can't progress the farm if you don't do the quests. Well, you do get. Yeah. Like, yes, it'll help you level up okay. faster. And things like that. Yeah. So they are like the way to, if you want to try to level up more quickly and get more things unlocked more quickly, like, yes, doing the quest will help with that. But theoretically, if you just, there are certain crops that you can plant that will get you the XP you need to, if you want to go that way. Like, so there's a whole bunch of different ways to do it. And I looked actually, I think we've played almost 20 hours in this game now. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, my my farm's level 20 something. Um, We've gotten two expansions going. Last time I checked, we had a little over 700,000 gold in the bank or coins in the bank um you know that's a lot of harvesting get there it is a lot of harvesting it is a lot of harvesting (laughs) so um two like i said two expansions unlocked as far as like making our farm bigger and nice you know like yeah it's you know we just like every couple days usually we just sit down and play for 30 or 45 minutes and harvest some stuff plant some stuff you know do see what quests we got like plant the stuff that's related to those and then you know, come back a couple yeah. days later and harvest them and you know, kind of go from there. So, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's not going to win, I don't think, game of the year, but we're, we're having fun with it. So I'm glad you tried it and didn't hate it. <laughs> so, awesome. All right. So my task was to play It Takes Two with Josh. Yes. Uh, Josh, I'm going to ask for an extension on my homework. <laughs> sure. I'll give you an extension. Okay. Because I did try to ask last night, but I knew it was going to be late. And yes, like, at 1130 my time. <laughs> uh, well, hey, you know, that's sometimes... No, it was, no, it was, it was 9.30 my time. 10.30, yeah. 10:30, yeah. <laughs> Which is still obviously late. I understand that. But, you know, that's I think that's the hard part about you're in my schedule is that, like, I usually don't start gaming yeah. until that time. And that's, it would have been you know, fine if, like, I didn't, if my kid wasn't sick all day. I would have had. I would have still been up. So we would have yeah. gotten to it last night had uh, um, life not gotten in the way. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Cool. Uh, so, Josh, you, though, I'm going to give you the option. You can assign me additional homework if you want to. No, you can carry it over. I'll let you carry it over. No, I'm saying like I in addition oh. to an extension, like I still would have another assignment, you know, it's just like regular school. Um no, well, I'll tell you what, if you end up knocking this out, if we end up playing this like coming week and then you have a whole nother week, maybe I'll give you a bonus uh homework. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. That sounds good. Uh Josh, as always, do, oh ow, we didn't even talk about this. Um, did you see that? Uh, Magic Legends is like done. <laughs> That's a bummer. <laughs> like, because I, I and the reason I just thought about this is because I assigned it as homework, and like, yeah, they're just shutting the game down. Like, it's not even out of beta yet, and they're just they shutting just it gave down. up on it. They just get yeah, they just they had like, no, something we're, we're there. Done. I don't know why they did that. Yeah, so 
I, it's very yeah. I don't know what the story behind that was. I don't know why that's happening, but uh, yeah, it's just done. That's too bad. So it is too bad. Uh, Josh, do you want a board game assignment or a or a video game assignment? Uh, let's do a board game one. Okay, I totally thought you were going to say video game. That's why so you should pick. Cool. You're giving me. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, so you just organized your board games, correct? I mean, I wouldn't say I organized them, but yeah, I, 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 I you picked them up. You kind of yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's what I I would like you to do f- for me sure. for two weeks from now. Number one, I want you to count all of your board games. You don't know how many board games you have oh already. God, Kyle. <laughs> uh, you just have to count them. You just have to count them. Yeah, I mean, I haven't done a count in a bit, but I can tell you. See, this is why I'm helping you. I can tell. So we're gonna do a count. Yeah. Okay, and then after you have done your count. I would like to have your top three board games in your collection. Oh, no. And your bottom three board games in your collection. Okay. But only of games you've played. Obviously. Of games I've played. That makes sense. Yes. So, just a count, just so we know how many I have to do that too, which is part of the reason I was giving you the assignment, because maybe that'll help me get that done too. Count of your total number of board games, <sighs> top three, bottom three. Does that sound good? It's kind of you don't even have to play something. Then I'm not even assigning you to play know, a game. I know how hard that is. But I have like over 400 board games. It's going to take so long to count them all. <laughs> you don't have to. Re- you don't have to record them. You don't have to make a list. You don't have to do anything. You just got to count. Okay. Them. All right. All right. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Okay. <laughs> cool. All right. So with that, we're going to move on to our recommendations <laughs> for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to give you a, one recommendation or thing we're currently into that is helping us live that balanced life. Josh, what is your recommendation this week? Okay. Um, my recommendation is kind of a cheat and a spoiler at the same time. So my recommendation is In the Heights. Uh, on ah, HBO Max. That is a cheat. <laughs> I'm recommending it now because it does leave HBO um, Max on July 11th. And we are also doing this for Dollar Cinema, which is our Patreon exclusive podcast. Um, so I'm kind of showing my hand a little bit for that podcast. But th- this is an interesting thing because. This is a movie made after Hamilton about a play written and performed before Hamilton, which yeah. has some some subtle changes to imply that it would have been out after Hamilton, but it's just probably to make the story more current. Um, that being said, uh, I don't want to spoil anything because Kyle hasn't seen this yet. Um, it's... There's going to have to become a new like vocabulary where like this is um Lin Manuel Miranda E like it's a <laughs> it's very much Lin so if you didn't like Hamilton the way that the music was written or performed this is going to be similar as from um beats to tone to song style it is very much, even Moana has some stuff like this in it, but not as much because Disney kind of reined them in a little bit. Um, even in Mary Poppins Returns, there's at least one song that's like Lin-Manuel Miranda-y. Um, but this is his baby, right? This is something he, I think he wrote it for Broadway. At least he produced it and he produced this film. Um, but that we'll talk about that in the fun fix on our, on our uh, podcast. 
Um, yeah, I mean, this is a... <laughs> I feel stupid saying I'm going to... This is an amazing movie, <laughs> and I'm showing my entire podcast hand. Like, I'm going to like this when we record um, our episode. Uh, it's a very... I didn't know anything about this. So I would say this mm-hmm. is another thing where you should probably just go into this not knowing anything about it. it you just need to know it's a musical. Um, I definitely see West Side Story, um, A Bronx Tale, things like that, like inspirations, but it's very much its own thing. Um, and it deals with... Um, very, very, very tiny bit of politics. Not a lot, but uh, it does have a, a good message and it's it's a really fun, fun movie. I really enjoyed it a lot. Excellent. So that is In the Heights. You can watch on HBO Max until July 11th and then it'll go away for a while to come back again in the future because that's the weird thing. It'll go away right and then you can, and then it'll come out on Blu-ray in three months and then it'll be back on HBO in three months. Correct. Correct. <laughs> All right, and hey, if you watch that, then you can listen, you know, become a patron and uh, listen to our Dollar Cinema episode about it. It's going to be great, I hope. (laughs) Uh, I'll be watching it tomorrow, so we'll find out. You hope our podcast is going to be great or the movie? Well, hopefully hopefully (laughs) the movie is great for them to watch it and they like it as much as you. Sounds like you did, so... (laughs) Um, and you know, hopefully the podcast right, is great too. Like, to, I hope you for can that listen too. to our podcast. It's going to be great. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my recommendation, Josh, is probably going to be a little bit of a unique one, uh, and that is, I recommend you watch some of the Tour de France, especially if you own Peacock, because it's on Peacock every single day that it's on. Um, I saw one bit of the you... Tour de France. What part is that? The lady with the sign. Oh yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> Speaking of that, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but yeah, the Tour de France is going on right now. <clears> if you want to check it out, like I said, it is on Peacock. Um, they show it live every single morning. Um, for me, it starts pretty early, like 6 a.m. Um, is usually when they start showing it. Um, and they're, they're long because obviously there's a bike race, so it takes some time. Uh, and most people think that you know bike racing is pretty boring. And I'll be honest, certain stages, it is pretty boring. Uh, not a lot that's going to be happening all the time. Uh, right now, uh, with today's stage, they just finished, well, for the most part, finished their time in the Alps. Uh, tomorrow will be a day off for them. And then, obviously, when you're listening to this episode, I think they might have a, one more mountain stage before some flats and then going to the Pyrenees. But um, I'm someone who used to actually cycle a ton. Uh, at one point in my life, I actually had seven bikes at the same time um, in my wow. very small apartment. Yeah, it, it was in my very small apartment. Um, so I'm a big fan of the Tour de France. I've been watching it for a long time. Drug concerns and all of those things be darned. I've been watching this thing forever because I, I really do think that professional cycling is a really, really interesting sport. Um, and just to kind of give you a example of the grit and determination these people have, uh, Josh is referring to the sign holder. Um I think it was stage one um, that that yes, happened. Yes, it was in. the opening of it. <laughs> yeah, in stage one, um, a lady uh, was holding a sign in the road um, and caused a pretty massive pileup um, in the in the race. Uh, one of the riders, Mark Solar, was caught up in the crash um, and he hit the pavement pretty hard. Got up, got back on his bike, finished the race, Josh, and then found out that he broke both his arms. Yeah, he got run over by like seven bikers. I watched. The, yeah. The... Yeah, he broke. Uh, he had three <laughs> fractures. He broke the his his the ulnar and radial head on his left arm and the radial head on his right arm. That's 
and he finished the Did race. Did you get to sue that lady? <laughs> well, he actually is considering uh, filing charges because <laughs> the the Tour de France was going to was going to sue her, uh, but then they withdrew the case. So he's saying, you know, like that he might now because like he's like, hey, this person did something dumb and caused me to break both of my arms and now also like i'm not gonna get any additional money like i'm out of the race yeah. like you know all this other stuff so and she didn't even um, get run gonna... over she just kind of got bumped out of the way i know she should have at least got run over <laughs> right and that is part of the part of the i don't want to say charm because obviously this was a pretty serious accident that happened because of this fan but one thing that is really kind of interesting about things like the tour de france and the other grand tours um and bike racing is the fact that the fans are right there um and when they get to the mountain stages and they have these really really like hard mountain finishes with like high gradients uh that they're riding up like fans are literally riding like running right next to them like up the side of the mountain you know and it, it's something that is both cool but this is also not the first time that someone that a fan has caused a crash like this happens i don't want to say every year but darn close to every year that like Somebody can't like sometimes one time somebody had a bag that the loop caught on the handlebar of a rider and flipped the rider off. Like these things happen all the time. And there's just this weird, like non-professional professionalism about professional cycling. Like the fans are just do whatever. And the organizers are like, well, this stuff happens. And like, that's it. <laughs> so it's just really interesting. Yeah. And if you don't want to watch like an entire stages, cause they are very long. You know, the mountain stages are usually the most fun to watch because that's when the most attacking happens. That's when you see people, quote unquote, break um, and just get left behind. Um, and usually when the tour is won and lost is in those mountain stages. Um, you know, the the flat stages are really set up for the sprinters. But, you know, it, and those are can be four hours and then really exciting for the last 30 seconds. But check it out. You can watch highlights and things like that without having to watch the entire um, tour, but it, it is pretty impressive to see what people can do, um, what their bodies can do. Uh, the last two days was absolutely miserable riding in the Alps. Uh, today, the it was just above freezing and it was raining out because they're summoning, you know, they're finishing up high in the mountains uh, and they were, everyone looked pretty miserable. <laughs> and just seeing what the human it's condition awful. can overcome <laughs> is pretty impressive sometimes. So check it out if you have the option. I think it's pretty fun. Um, especially you know in an Olympic year, even though there's some weird stuff going on about yeah, the Olympics that we could talk Olympic about. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, check out the Tour de France. All right, Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Let's do it. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board of 3G, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash board of 3G. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, Please feel free to give us an email. Give us an email, or you can send it, I guess, at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag boardwithfiji, so please feel free to use that hashtag as well on all social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. Fireworks. That is whether you're downloading us from the Dice Tower Network feed or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You can find me on PlayStation Network and Xbox Live and Steam at Why So Serious, S-I-R-R-I-U-S. Kyle, fireworks for you. <laughs> so you can find me on all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Cyclocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. 
As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.